You are Locked On Women's Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Locked On Women's Basketball. I'm your host, Howard Meddahl, reminding you, you can follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnWBB. You can like us on Facebook, Locked On Women's Basketball. And I would urge you to go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes. Review us if you like us, as a matter of fact, whether it's iTunes or your podcast listen of choice. Uh, I'm joined today by the coach and general manager of the Connecticut Sun, uh, Kurt Miller. Kurt, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Howard, Happy New Year. Happy to be with you today. And uh, I'm back in Connecticut, so uh, excited that the season is not that far away. And, of course, it's in the WNBA, the season never really stops, whether it's evaluating players who are about to be free agents, free agency around the corner, uh, starting January 15th, or getting ready for the draft. But for you, obviously, there's an added element of things where you're settling into your new dual role. Uh, Take me through what that's been like and, and what specifically that's meant for you. Well, certainly bittersweet at the beginning. Um, one of the big attractions when I became a head coach uh, in the WNBA and, and specifically here in Connecticut was the opportunity to work for Chris Sienko, one of the premier GMs in the league and, and uh, ran a modeled franchise here in Connecticut. So really enjoyed uh, my, my time with Chris and, and, and certainly bittersweet on his departure, but uh, appreciated the belief in the organization that I could handle the dual role and uh, and given me that opportunity to continue to build this young roster uh, with my vision and, and what I think is important and, and how we want to play play the game and, and how we feel we're going to move up the ladder in, in the standing. So um, it, it, a little bit bittersweet when I took over, but uh, you know, enjoying it and and all that comes with it, that's for sure. Now, take me through, uh, just even day-to-day, I I know you were a part of those conversations in terms of building the roster as well. Is it just simply that you're now in a position to be making the final call? I mean, you know, what what is different when the rubber hits the road for you as far as that goes? Well, the the great thing when Chris and I were here, we we would run things by each other. And obviously, when I got on board last year, I was hired in late December. Um, already made some moves early in the new year, uh, so certainly um, a lot of that was generated by Chris. I had to give the rubber stamp on things, but he made the final call. And certainly, as a coach, uh, was a great general manager to work with because he really deferred to the coaches on the style um, of how they wanted to play the game and what their vision was so that he he took a lot of input from the coaching staff on on the roster management. Certainly some of those decisions were made early uh, with me not completely up to speed on all the players and and all the nuances and so listened and and sat back and while rubber stamped a few things, um, obviously Chris made a lot of early decisions. But as we got closer to the draft, uh, we really collaborated and, and uh, went into our first draft together and, and had an opportunity to make an exciting draft day uh, move to get Jonquel Jones, which uh, I never can get anything done because my phone rings all day long and uh, from teams that want to try to acquire Jonquel, and she's just off limits. And I don't care how many times these other 11 teams call us. Uh, we're really excited that we made that deal, and, and the future is very, very bright for Jonquel. But... Um, now, with, with Chris gone, obviously I run a lot of things by our staff. Uh, the great news is we've added a vice president uh, in our organization, Amber Cox, mm-hmm. uh, joined us from uh, professional soccer, but was once 
once a fixture with the Phoenix Mercury, so a very experienced WNBA front office person. And so, again, even though Chris is gone and I get to make a lot of the player personnel decisions now myself, uh, it's still nice to have someone experienced in the office to run things by not only my coaching staff, but the vice president, Amber Cox. So, um, you know, very excited um, that we have a veteran still in the front office. Yeah, I was heartened to see you when you guys hired Amber, who obviously comes with a tremendous resume. And I, I do think we should get into a little bit of the way your roster is constructed because John Quell, who, and we, we should wish her happy birthday, we're recording this on her birthday, as a matter of fact, although it's going to actually post uh, a few days from now. But it's important, I think, to look at just what you were able to acquire there. And, and a little bit of her rookie year went under the radar. Some of it uh, perhaps because she was playing more as the season went on and early on uh, was not playing as much. But the stats, when you go beyond just the raw stats into things like her player efficiency rating uh, of 24.1, I mean, that, that was uh, best of anyone who played regular minutes on your team. Her offensive rating was tremendous, and her defense uh, comes as well. Her rebounding translated the way I would imagine you hoped. Did you see with her in year one someone who could be a franchise building block this quickly, I mean on the floor, I don't just mean someone uh, who you'd look to develop around. Absolutely, and I think the, uh, the aspect that makes her special is her versatility uh, on the court. Um, her length and ability to be a rim protector, which is so important this, uh, in this league, uh, we got better uh, after we made the trade, the t difficult decision to move Bone uh, to Phoenix. We got better defensively because we played longer. We we were able to move Cheney back to her natural position as a five. She may not be built like some of the, the monster fives in the league in Griner and Fouls, but she's very, very productive, shown by 17 straight double-figure games to end the season. And and we're really, really proud of the way we played the second half of the season, uh, tied for the third-best overall record the last 18 games of the season, um, and in in part was in the improvement of our defense, being able to move Cheney back to the natural five, mm -hmm. but the increased minutes by John Quell, and um, being able to play her as a five, but her skill set at the offensive end, uh, with her ability to dribble, pass, and ex uh, you know extend the floor for us with her r shooting range, really allows her um, you know that versatility allows us to play different ways. And what was so exciting as we prepared coming into this second season was to play Cheney and JJ on the floor um, together. Obviously, Cheney's injury has has delayed that a little bit, but uh, now um, you know, John Quell's going to have a great opportunity and why the entire league is excited about her and why I hear from GMs and coaches almost on a daily basis about her is that versatility. She can rim protect, she can rebound her position at both ends of the court, but her offensive ability allows her to play not just a five but a four and play alongside with other big fives. So. Uh, she's got a bright future. She's going to be an anchor piece of what we're trying to accomplish. And with Cheney's injury, a lot is uh, she's going to have to shoulder a lot going into this season. Do you do you think the five is really the new four in terms of how the WNBA operates these days? I I, I guess I I'd ask it in terms of 
the fives who are traditional back to the basket who don't have the ability to extend the floor uh, with their shot uh, the way John Twell can, the way so many of the young bids can, it seems like uh, is more of a rarity. And, and obviously it certainly dovetails very well with the way you like to play. But do you think that's just the reality of the WNBA here in 2017? Well, I don't think any of us would ever, um, um, you know, disagree of having a grind or a fouls would be special. But if you can't get one of those elite back-to-the-basket big post players, uh, as you were mentioning, a lot of the young, talented post players in this league can step out, extend the floor, can play away from the basket. Amani Boyette had a tremendous rookie season, but she also can step out to 15 and 17 feet very, very consistently and confidently. Um, but again, Boyette, Jones, those guys are rim protectors, and it's hard to score around them, and they're good athletes. And So I, it, it's fun to watch um, the women's game evolve and continue to get better and better now. You know, if if I was the coach of Griner, if I was the coach of Fouts, I wouldn't complain of having one of those type of post players. But uh, we're very fortunate to have John Quell, and again, um, our fans love her, and uh, she's going to be an anchor piece of what we're trying to do um, for years to come. Well, so uh, let's talk about uh, Brittany, because she is a restricted free agent. Obviously, Phoenix can match, and you would expect them to do so, but there's a fair amount of movement, especially... Uh, around some of the bigger stars in the lead as we head toward free agency. And I know you guys are without a first-round pick this year uh, for you know the reasons we just talked about. But what do you do in terms of trying to plan around free agency to augment the roster? Well, certainly you're always trying to enhance it. Um, you, you know, you, you would be lying if you're not working daily, uh, always looking at opportunities to enhance your roster. But one of the things that I, I've been committed to since being named the head coach in, in December of uh, 2015 was right before the 16th season was we had to dig in and develop players and, and give some years and opportunities that this core roster play together. Mm-hmm. And while you know, Connecticut has turned their roster over pretty consistently, shown by the longest tenure player on the Connecticut Sun roster is Kelly Ferris, um, you know, there's a commitment at my end to really dig in and try to have this core group um, really gel together and be able to play um, consecutive years together. At the same time, you'd be lying if you're not always trying to enhance your roster and look for ways to do that. So there's that fine line um, for us in, in particular because I really, really would like to keep this core group together. Um, but if an opportunity presents itself and, and and there's an opportunity for a trade or a free agency that could spark um, some up or trend in your, in your you know standings, you have to go for it. And so... Um, you know, so we're busy. We're, ears are always listening to everything going on out there. I'm on the phone constantly. Um, but uh, first and foremost, we've got to take care of our own players and uh, continue to build some uh, continuity within this roster. So in terms of that continuity, when it comes to Rachel Bannum, when it comes to Morgan Tuck, how difficult is it right now to try and plan as they're coming back from injuries? And, you know, there's an inherent uncertainty with knowing how much they can give you how soon. Well, certainly, you know, the hardest thing to plan for is injuries. 
Um, and but injuries are part of the women's game, unfortunately, and and players come back and and come back um, successfully. So we we believe the same is true for our uh, rehab warriors out there right now, and and we have many of them. Unfortunately, yeah. we have a lot of players rehabbing currently. But uh, you know, we you hope that the rust gets. Uh, you know, off of them as quickly as possible, and they get back up to speed. But you saw last year how strong uh, Cheney finished, but uh, a little rust, and mm-hmm. you know, and a little bit of inconsistency early in the season as we managed minutes and and got her back up the plane after missing a season. So you you have to be a little bit patient. And the scary part for us, Howard, is that well, the schedule makers did us no favor. We are on the road a tremendous amount in the first half of the season. And and when we are fortunate enough to have a home game, it's a, it's a home game against you know teams that finished very high in the standings last year. So uh, we were given no favors this first half of this upcoming 2017 season. But um, you know our our rehab warriors are going to have to be ready for us, and we're going to count on them and and look forward to having them all back healthy. And so as a GM, do you simply need to hope for the best? when you're putting together the roster, constructing it that way, simply because these are such key parts of the way you've been building. You know, Cheney obviously goes without saying, is someone who is such a key part of what you do. But, you know, Rachel and Morgan both being high pitch from last year are doubtlessly a significant part of that rebuild. Are you not in a position to go and construct a plan B there? It's hard, Howard. Yeah. Quite, quite honestly, it's it's hard to have multiple options because the lack of player movement in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, we felt last year's draft was so strong, and having an opportunity within a five minute or less time frame to pull off a trade with John Quell when all sudden she became available uh, was something that we were very, very excited about that we went for it and were able to accomplish, but. You know, so uh, you know we don't have an impactful draft pick in the first round, but we have two very early second round draft picks that we'll have an opportunity to make our team. But you know, we're counting on on, on Morgan being back and and ready to go, and we'll be patient with her and not rush her back. But we believe she'll be ready. Um, and she was very very productive when she was healthy last season, and especially at the offensive end as she continues to understand the defensive philosophy in in the pro game she's just so smart and so savvy that uh you know we're really really excited um about her future and then Rachel you know played the majority of the year um injured and showed a toughness that people will never quite fully understand of how much pain she played through and what she elected to do for us and when she felt good and and had some of those uh stretches where she felt as healthy as she could possibly be. She was very productive. But, uh, you know, the the fans around the league, and including our fans, didn't really get to see the true Rachel Bannum, and we expect bigger and better things from her in the future. She's a dynamic scorer. She's a tremendous, um, a tremendous teammate. And so we're excited. The best thing about our four rookies that played last year, Rachel Morgan, who we've talked about, John Quell Jones, and, and then our last, uh, rookie came over midway through the year in Courtney Williams. Mm-hmm. They're even better people than they are players. And so our locker room has a great chemistry. Our veterans want to be here. They want to be back. Um, and there's something to be said about that as a coach and GM that you have a roster that enjoys playing with each other. Um, you know, 
people can um, you know say what they want to say about our first half of the season. They can say that we still didn't make the playoffs, but we made a really nice run. We finished out of last place in the East for the first time in years. And uh, and there's something special in that locker room right now that we continue to help to build on. And probably you were unimpressed by the L.A. Sparks and what they did in the finals because uh, beating the Minnesota Lynx in a majority of games is something you guys had already done. Uh, well, how, yeah, Howard, obviously I was very, very happy for L.A. You know, getting my start in the league as an assistant coach out there mm-hmm. and working with all those players there. Uh, it just... You know, it it did my heart well to see someone like Elena Beard uh, win a championship with all the hard work and, and adversity she's overcome. But that uh, that unit, to their credit, really bonded. And uh, and you know, I feel I feel a special kin- kinship with those guys because um, not all, and certainly Brian uh, deserves all the credit in the world. But a lot of the a lot of the offensive philosophies they continue to use. Um, was you know pieces that I brought um, to the staff with him and and helped him implement. So uh, every time I saw them scoring in those finals using philosophies and and systems that I helped bring uh, to that team, just put a smile on my face. Yeah, uh, up to Cheryl Reeve in 2017 to try and uh, dissect the Kurt Miller plan uh, on both coasts, no question about it. Uh, Let's talk about Rachel just in terms of Alex Bentley. And uh, like you said, Rachel last year to play, I mean, look, she shot 35% from three on one leg, which is just a ridiculous uh, thing to do in and of itself. But Alex, of course, also being a volume shooter uh, and, and brings a lot to the table. How do you see the two of them working, and, and what is Alex's role in your mind when you think about this core developing group of players here in Connecticut? Well, certainly Alex um, is a dynamic scorer, and, uh, but I, I had the opportunity to coach against Alex when um, I was in the Big Ten and, and also saw her be able to dominate at the defensive end. Um, at the collegiate level, and so you know, one of the challenges for me is to engage her uh, every second of every possession while she's out there, because I believe she can be um, a great player at both ends of the floor. Um, you know, Alex, it's the catch-22 with any great player that can create their own shot is that you know, they also can take some bad shots. Mm-hmm. And while I continue to try to educate anyone that I've ever coached that. It does have the ability to create their own shot is you know to find good shots um you know there's there's that double-edged sword that you've got to allow alex bentley to miss some shots because she can make some shots that others in this league can't so um you know you, you hate to live with any bad shot but uh you know we're, we're going to give her the green light to go make plays uh, her teammates believe in her that she can do that but she's also got to continue to share the ball and she's more than capable of doing that and so um I just uh, I, I look forward, you know, if if it works out for us to continue to have Alex on our roster, um, as she's a restricted free agent, right. um, she's a you know she's a tremendous player and a tremendous talent. In terms of the players you'd be looking to bring in, you, you guys were tops in the lead in pace last year. Is that first and foremost is making sure that whatever players you have are able to get up and down the court the way in which you want? Bringing in Courtney Williams seems like it was a really good fit with the type of game that you were already playing. Is that first on your list when you're evaluating? Well, it's interesting because if you talk to people at the collegiate level, uh, they they used to 
um, pigeonholed me as a coach that loved skilled kids and didn't love athleticism, and then we played faster than anybody else in the WNBA. So uh, I, I think you'd get some people with a dog tilt uh, head look at me. But uh, um, I, I love our young roster. I think we're very, very athletic. I think we can continue to build on that. Um, you know, you there's there's that fine line between playing fast and and playing fast and taking bad shots. So we still got to be pro- productive and efficient with our possessions. But uh, we're younger. You know, we bounce back um, on quick rest uh, better than some of the other teams in the league. Um, and so, you know, I think we can be successful playing fast. So we got to find that fine line. I will tell you, there's some there's some free agents out there that are intriguing to me that uh, wouldn't necessarily you would think uh, would thrive in an up tempo game, but they they may fill some very important pieces for us. So we're going to continue to try to enhance the roster the best we can. But uh, there's no doubt that we enjoyed playing fast this year, and we'll continue to look to see if that's the right way to play with the roster that. Uh, comes out of training camp ready for the season sounds like you would be surprised if you didn't add a piece or two in free agency do you think that's accurate to say well i think that uh depending on our injuries and if everyone is ready to go at the beginning of the year there's no doubt we may have to add pieces Mm -hmm. so um it just is what it is so should be very interesting. It'll be a fascinating uh, winter coming up. Now, for you, in addition, I, I don't really understand how you do everything that you do, but in addition to your dual roles with the Sun, you spend uh, a amount of time on the road also uh, serving as an analyst on TV. Tell me a little bit about uh, some of the players who have most impressed you uh, this year and, and, and any games you have coming up that you're particularly looking forward to. Well, it's the recruiting side of me spending 24 years at the collegiate level. I just love basketball. I love to get out and watch games. So um, I, I believe, you know, that Mike Tebow and, and, and Cheryl and Brian Agler, a lot of the coaches in the league do a great job. But mm-hmm. uh, um, I get out as much as anyone watching games in person. I think it's important that you pick up nuances, not only uh, – uh, that you may not be able to pick up through TV. I enjoy watching the games live and, and watching the interaction from players to coach. I like being at practices and shoot around. And uh, I think you learn a lot about players. So I love getting around to games. As for analysts, I dabble in it a little bit. Um, it, it's a lot harder than it looks when you're sitting in the living room and you're like, why wouldn't they mention this? Why aren't they mentioning that? Um, but I, I got a bug when I started to do it, so I, I take a few opportunities each college season to do it, uh, mainly um, the one that's the highest profile is usually I do the preseason WNIT championship game mm-hmm. on CBS Sports Network, so um, I, I love that opportunity. But I've seen a lot of great games, uh, a lot of great games to come. i got to be honest with you, I didn't know uh, and didn't truly um, – expect UConn to be undefeated at this point, but the, uh, you can never, you know, uh, count that team out with Geno coaching and Chris Daly, and, and those guys have such a culture, um, and they play so well together, they share the basketball and willing to defend, so it's uh, been fun to watch them, but I think there's a lot of challengers out there uh, when it comes down to it. I, I think, you know, maybe as many as six teams still probably uh, could stake claim that they could make a run and win six straight games in the NCAA tournament and win the championship. So it should be a fun conference season around the country and uh, really looking forward to the tournament um, at the end of it. 
really going to be fascinating to see. And, and and Indiana Hoosiers, you think, as of right now, would be in the field? I was talking to Charlie Cream, uh, who does the bracketology. Do, does that? Do you see that as an NCAA tournament team? Absolutely. I can't be more proud that the juniors and senior cl- uh, classes are still ours that we recruited there. Uh, the junior class of uh, Tyra Buss and Amanda Cahill, amongst others, I believed was one of my best recruiting classes ever. And uh, I told that those first two classes that I really believed uh, when they were juniors and seniors that they would be a top 10 team and could be um, competing for an elite eight or higher finish. And even though there's been some decommitments and transfers. Terry Morin and the staff at Indiana has just uh, picked up uh, that that roster and has done great. I, I truly believe they're going to make a run to minimum third place in the Big Ten. That puts them safely into the NCAA tournament. I would be really shocked if Indiana doesn't make a run to the Sweet 16 or beyond. I know that's probably putting pressure on them on the air, but that's how much belief I have in those juniors and senior classes at, at Indiana and, and really, really proud of what they're doing, but proud that I had a piece of starting that building process with that, with that team that uh, uh, I still follow closely from afar. Yeah, really impressive team to watch as a group, and I I think one of the main reasons why the Big Ten Network exists is just so the world can see Tyra Buss play, because her her game is fascinating uh, just on a possession-by-possession basis. Well, listen, Kurt Miller, always a pleasure to talk to you. Really glad you took the time, and glad we could stoke the embers of the WNBA hot stove together. Uh, Anything else that you think we ought to touch on? Just don't want us to be limited by what I'm asking you. No, just uh, keep following women's basketball. Appreciate all the support out there. It's a great game. Uh, it be a great collegiate season, but I think we're uh, looking forward to a very, very exciting 2017 WNBA season uh, across the board. And, uh, I, I, you know, there's lots of rumors out there right now. Maybe a big year may not be a big off season for the WNBA, but a lot of fun rumors right now. And uh, being in the middle of that behind the scenes, uh, um, looking forward to how it all plays out, and uh, and look forward to training camp not far away. Have you have you priced what it would take to get a direct train from Wilmington, Delaware, uh, to Mohegan Sun? Are you asking me if I've map quest that or driven <laughs> it? Either one. Uh, I, I'll plead the fli- uh, fifth on that. Understood. Well, Kurt Miller, thank you so much. And just a reminder to our listeners, you can follow us on Twitter at LockedOnWBB. You can go ahead and like us on Facebook, Locked On Women's Basketball, and go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes, your podcast listen of choice. I am Howard Meddahl, wishing you a very good day.